0: How many of you have loved something or someone? Okay? All of us, right? All of us have loved something or someone. And we all love things in a different way. For some of you, uh, you may love uh, when you get um, a really good tax return, right? You might be like, yes! Woo! I love that. Or <laughs> you may love, this is a shout out to Don and Dan, Uh, when you go on a hike, a really long hike, and you finally reach your destination after moments and moments of suffering, right? There are times where we're on that hike, you are just trekking uphill and and sometimes downhill, and it just, it's brutal, right? But then once you reach your final destination, that's where you're like, "Ah, we made it. And maybe you go celebrate, go to somewhere, go get some burgers, get some uh, Coke, and uh, celebrate. So, <laughs> um, those are some things you might love. There's also some things that you might not love. Um, what exactly might that be? How many of you have been on the 91 freeway? <laughs> when there's traffic, we do not like that, right? We do not love that. Um, there's also some other things you might not love. Uh, you might not love uh, when the Chargers lose or when the Cowboys lose. Or, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's something we don't love. Um, so I really want you guys to think about that as, as we come to uh, today's message. Uh, today's message, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, if you have your Bibles, that's awesome. But if you don't have your Bibles, we have Bibles at the Connection Center. We're going to be on page 559 uh, in the Blue Bibles. Uh, Pastor Cliff and I tend to preach from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and so that's what the Blue Bibles are, and that is on page 559. But before we start, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, just blessing us and guiding us, and I pray that today um, that we can learn from your word. We can learn how to love people. We can learn how to um, love you in, in better ways and, and just uh, receive your love and, and recognize your love in our life, God. I pray that today we don't leave uh, this message uh, unchanged. I pray that we change and, and, and transform uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the power of your word, God. Thank you for all you do. It's in your marvelous name, Father God. Amen. Awesome, guys. So, uh, like I said, we're in 1 Corinthians 13. We'll be in verse 1. It's in the New Testament. And it's written by Paul. So the theme for today is, as Christ followers, how can we love? How can we love? And for a lot of us, um, we might see that love is seen in different ways. Especially in in today's culture. Uh, In today's culture, there are different types of love. Um, These are the definitions uh, from Merriam-Webster and from um, basically what we use as as Americans or or the English language. Um, And it's actually uh, from the Greek. So, Philia is a type of love that is feeling like you belong and are part of something great. So that's philia. That's one type of love. Um, an example would be, um, how many of you have seen The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings? Okay, awesome. I see Liam up there <laughs> and a lot of others. Um, they start this journey together because they have a mission that they want to fulfill. They want to do something great. They want to be able to uh, recognize the good and fight for the good. And so that is uh, one example of how we can have philia-type love. There's also eros, eros eros-type love, uh, marriage or having love for a spouse. It's a romantic type of love. It's a type of love that you are able to uh, recognize that person and show kindness to them and show that you care for them. And so that's another type of love. But that's not the love we're talking about today. We're talking about the greatest type of love that we could ever experience. And that love is called agape love. Agape love. Agape love is a love that never ends. It's a love that never fails. And it's a love that is completely selfless. That is God's love for us. And it is beautiful. And so... Um, On the back of your notes, you'll see there's a place for additional notes. Those are my points. You can put points on there. So I have different points that I'll say. I'll say point number one, and then you can write it down here. On the front is questions that I have that we can answer as we go on this uh, journey together through 1 Corinthians. So point number one. God's love for us is called agape love. God's love for us is called agape love. That, that's the first point. Um, one example of a selfless type of love um, I realized and recognized yesterday at a funeral. Um, this woman uh, was 91. She passed away. But she loved the Lord It was amazing to see how selfless she was. Um, Hearing all the stories of of how she loved on people, how she cared about people, it was amazing to see her life. Um, It was actually really beautiful. Um, Her name was Joanne. And there's a couple things that I recognized that she did that were amazing and were selfless types of love. The first one was a lady came and visited the church she was at. This lady just came and visited, and she she was actually uh, moving to California, and uh, things didn't work out. She had no place to stay. And what did Joanne say? You're going to stay with me. She had already bought a plane ticket to go uh, live in another state where it would be cheaper and where she could afford it. And she said, no, like, you have... There was basically no family that wanted to help her. There was no one that wanted to take care of her. And Joanne said, no, you are staying. I will give you housing, and you will stay here. She ended up by being a part of the church for over uh, 20 years and actually becoming a Christ follower through Joanne. There's another beautiful thing that I noticed in her life. Uh, She was very missions-focused. She was actually the wife of a pastor, and... Um, she led a, uh, basically a big missionary journey to Asia. This lady uh, was very, very good at being able to share and, and tell people, hey, let's go on this missionary uh, trip together. Let's go on a mission trip together, right? And, and, and she said that to, to another lady. This other lady was like, mm, I've never been on one. Like, this is scary. This is very frightening. Uh, I don't know if I want to do this. She said, you're coming, let's go. (laughs) We're packing our bags, you're coming with us to Asia. Lo and behold, that started a fire in her. Because of that selfless type of love, her reaching out to her and sharing with her about this mission that they could go on. She also uh, became stronger in her faith, and this lady that she reached out to ended up by doing 20 more mission trips. For the Lord, and we got to see thousands of people come to Christ. That is selfless type of love. So now we'll go to the Bible. Uh, we'll be we'll be in uh, 1 Corinthians thirteen, starting at verse one. It says, "If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries, all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. What do we see there? if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, if I have all these different types of spiritual gifts, if I can do all these amazing things for God's kingdom, but have not love, if I don't love on people, if I don't care about people, then my preaching is worthless. Everything I'm saying to you right now is worthless if I don't have love. It's the same for all of us. If we're not doing things out of love, then it's meaningless. Why? Because God loves us, and through his love, we are empowered to be able to love others. And that is part of the gospel. One huge part of the gospel is that God loves us, and that through his love, we are also able to love. And it says... If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I give my possessions away, if, if I give every single cent, but I don't have love, it's all for nothing. And this part, listen to this. If I give away even my body to be burned, but I have not love, it's for nothing. I want to share with you a, a person that actually showed love and was martyred. His name was Ignatius. Ignatius Antioch. Uh, he's one of the first martyrs that we know of uh, to have died for the, the mission of God, to have died for the gospel. His name was Ignatius and he said this, How I begin to be a disciple. Let fire And cross, flocks of beasts, broken bones, all these different things come upon me so long as I attain and am faithful to Jesus. He said, Let everything come upon me. Let every bone be broken in my bones, like in my body. Let everything be taken away from me. But let me be faithful to Jesus. Let me be faithful to the end. And as far as we know in church history, that's what happened. Ignatius gave up his body. The Romans took him. And they burned him. And so that's, that's one important thing that we need to recognize. Is point number two. If I don't have love, everything I do Is meaningless. It's also question number one. Uh, If I don't have love, everything I do is meaningless. So then, how can we love? We're sinful people at times, right? Or before Christ, we're sinful. Very sinful. But how can we love? How do we love? The answer is found in verses 4 through 7. But it's not what you think. Most pastors, they'll say, insert your name here, and this is how you ought to be. That's true. But I think we have to take a few steps back first. And how can we insert our, our name there if we haven't received the love of God first? I believe that verses 4 through 7 is God. God is patient. God is kind. Because why? 1 John chapter 4 says that God is love. It's not just something he does, but it's who he is. It's his character. It's every part of his being is love. And so I want you to first look at this text with God in mind. Not ourselves. How many times is it easy in church to look at ourselves first, right? I've been to plenty of churches where we can look at ourselves, but I think the most important part of this text is to look at God first. So I'll read it like this. God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on his own way, is not irritable or resentful, he does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but he rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now that we see that God is love, now we can insert ourselves. Now we can see that because God loved us, we have the ability to uh, follow in Christ's example. So, these are some things that we might ask ourselves. Are we being patient and kind? Are we, are we, are we loving people uh, through not being envious and not boasting? Are we doing these things? Uh, we live in a culture where everyone wants to one-up each other. It doesn't matter what, what industry you're in, what, what type of job you have, being a doctor or... Even a pastor, there's a lot of people that want to one-up each other, right? They want to have the nicer car. They want to have the nicer clothes. They want to have the nicer style. But if we look at this text, it does not envy. It does not boast. It's not prideful. It's not full of themselves. But instead, love is not full of yourself. It's full of Christ, right? Right? Because Christ's love transforms us and normally our, our normal nature aside from Christ when, when we when we don't look at Christ when we we're not part of a, being a part of a church or a Christian, we tend to have this nature called the sinful nature in which everything we do revolves around us. It revolves around how we look, how, how, how well uh, we're doing in our career, how well um, we present our families, how well we present the things we have, but in Christ, in the gospel, love is selfless. Love is not looking towards us. It's looking towards others. It's saying, how can I help that person? Instead of me focusing on how good I look or how, how awesome or how like hipster I am, right? <laughs> how can I serve that person? How can I show them that I care? How can I show them that they matter? Those are some things that, that I, I work on, and, and um, I have to hold myself accountable too, you know, because like I said, there are times where in our hearts, we don't want to love. A lot of times we, we actually uh, fall away from loving people, and instead we let these little distractions and annoyances Uh, take us away from loving on people, right? Like I said, some of those things that we don't love, uh, traffic, the 91 freeway, I've seen, yeah, I don't think I've seen too many loving people on the 91 freeway. They usually cut me off or uh, give me some type of sign. (laughs) So, those things, those distractions are not love. But Christ is love. His word is love. He shows us how to love. So I I broke it up into two ways. Um, If you wanted to put on the back of your notes what love is, this is our definition. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things. Love hopes all things and endures all things. And then I also broke it up into what love is not. Love is not envious. Love is not prideful. Love is not arrogant, rude. Love is not irritable. It's not resentful. And it does not insist on its own way. Point number three. Love is godly. Follow his example and love people. And that's also the uh, answer to question number two. <laughs> so I put on here three ways that God exemplifies love. three ways that God shows love. Um, God shows love. first. We'll see in Second Peter three: nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So what do we see? God is patient. Which is also the first thing that we see love is. Love is patient. God is patient. Love is patient. We also see God's I almost said the answer. <laughs> nice try. Not I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Titus 3, 4 through 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So, we see that God exemplifies love through his kindness. His kindness. And I want to stay here for a second. Because there's nothing like God's love, but there's also nothing like God's kindness. All of us deserve wrath. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes in life, right? How many perfect people do we have here? I'm still waiting for a hand. (laughs) I might be here all day. I'm just kidding. Exactly. None of us are perfect. All of us are in the process of becoming more and more like Christ and also becoming more loving. But the beautiful thing about the kindness of God is that, like I said, we don't deserve his kindness, but he does it because he cares about us. He actually loves us. And what does he want? He wants a personal relationship with us. He doesn't like it when we're stuck in the same cycle, dealing with the same sins, dealing with the same... Like, all the same things when we can reach out to Christ and ask him for help, ask him for prayer, ask him for guidance. Now, there's one thing when we all sin, like, right? There's a difference between sinning, like, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, and I repent, or if we're intentionally just sinning day in, day out, knowing what we're doing, doing it purposefully. Um and allowing that to be who we are. And that's where I'm saying, Christ does not want that for us. Christ wants to set us free from, broken, from, from this place of brokenness where we just allow our sin to be part of our lives and part of who we are. He instead wants to take our darkness and bring it to light. And that's the hardest part about, I think, being a, a Christian at times is, you know, getting ourselves out of that darkness or allowing Christ to get us out of that darkness and allowing his light to come into our lives. But it brings so much joy. It brings so much healing. It brings so much hope. And I I think he really wants to see us come to a, a real relationship where we love him and we care about him. We see in the book of John... That if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. We'll be obedient to him. Now it's not easy. Trust me. Being a Christian, I'm sorry to tell you all of you guys, being a Christian is much like being on a hike. There, there are some hard parts. There are some hard parts of the journey. Or it's like being in the fellowship in, in Lord of the Rings, right? You might have some orcs and things trying to like destroy you. We might have Satan trying to destroy us, right? We might have um, the world trying to keep us away from Christ. But if you keep your eyes on the love of Christ, if you keep your eyes on the Lord, that will continue to help motivate you to keep going. To where you'll find the true joy and satisfaction in the journey is where you find Christ. Christ should be our final destination. It shouldn't be, like I said, trying to gain so many followers on Instagram, TikTok. I don't even have a TikTok. I'm old. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But um, basically, we should be letting ourselves, allowing ourselves to focus on Christ. I think that's the most important thing, is that we focus on Christ. And also, if we are dealing with a sin, don't continue to look at that sin and be like, oh man, I'm, I'm struggling with this sin, and just keep thinking about it. Think about how you can turn from that sin and look to Jesus, look to his word, find hope in the word. Because if you're looking at yourself all the time, you're, you're a human, you, you make some mistakes, but the Word shows us how to follow Christ. It shows us how to be obedient, how to give those things up and to live for God, how to have sacrificial love, where we sacrifice those desires, those sinful desires that we once wanted, and instead we're like, no, those things are are not what I want. Those things are not who I am. I am living for Christ. And so that, that is one important thing that we have to grasp here. Another thing, the the third thing that God does is he rejoices with the truth. God rejoices with the truth. Okay, so it says in John 8:25 through 26. So they said to him, "Who are you?" Jesus said to them, "Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge." But he who sent me is true, and I did, I declare to the world what I have heard from him. So at one point is we know that God is true. Jesus said it himself. We also know, if we go to John fourteen six, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth. His word points us to truth. It shows us what truth is. We live in a society that we don't know what love is. We don't know what truth is. Right? I mean, I mean in America, we're, we're starting to get this philosophy that you define what words are. You define what things are. You define, it's all about you. Christianity, it's all about God. God is the one who defines love. God is the one who defines grace. God is the one who defines all these different things in our lives. God is the one who defines truth. Because I don't know about you guys. I want to know what the truth is. I don't want to, trust me, I don't want to uh, define truth for myself. That, That just doesn't seem right. Whatever my opinion is, forms what the truth is. That's not true. A lot of times I find the truth in here in the word in God's words as we see that sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes reading this uh, the word of God it shows us areas that we can work on. It shows us things that we don't necessarily like or things that we don't necessarily know how to do. But, trust me, if you read his word and you allow it to saturate your heart, saturate your mind, it will show you that God really wants what's best for us. God really cares about us, and he wants uh, to show us that we are loved. We are loved and cared for by him. And a lot of the things like, that we see in the Bible... Are there for a reason, right? It's not like he just this was written, and then um, it's just like meaningless. Like, if we think about sins it says, do not commit sexual immorality, right? Do not commit sex outside of marriage or sexual acts outside of marriage. Well, why? Well, one, you're giving your heart to someone else, And two: STDs. They're a real thing. God has a plan. God has a purpose. There's a reason why he says these things. It's to lead us to truth. It's to lead us to what's right. And it's to lead us to what's best for us. I'm going to read this last section of Scripture. First Corinthians 13, uh, verses 8 through 12. So it says Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will all pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. What will outlast everything in this world? Love. Ferraris will go away. Teslas will go away. Awesome big jets will go away. They'll be destroyed. There's nothing that will last longer than love. That love is the most important thing. And more importantly, it's God's love for us. I'd say, one, God is the most important, and then two, the love of God. So when we think about this, how does this relate to the gospel of, of Jesus? How does this relate to his saving grace? Well, it relates that. The entire gospel is based off love. God loved us. He sent his son to die for us. We were purchased by the blood of Jesus so that we, a fallen people, could once again be his children. Why? He loved us enough to set us free from both sin and death, through his death and resurrection. And because of that, He also gave us the ability where we can now love. We can now love. So, my question to you is if we're designed by God to love, will you forget and go away, uh, turn aside from those human desires of your own, your own human natural inclinations and tendencies, and instead? Love the Lord and those around you. Will you do that? Will you repent? Will you turn away from the sins that so easily entangle us? And will you turn to Christ? Will you turn to Christ? If you're a Christian, trust me, loving people is very difficult. It's challenging. It's not easy. There are some people who might seem easier to love and others who are not as easy to love, right? (laughs) But we also must remember that we ourselves can be tough and challenging and difficult, right? Yet God loved us and cared about us even when we were broken, even when we were selfish, even when we were sinful. God cares about us. So my question to you Is are you going to take the initiative to love God and to love people around you? The people God has put in your life. Will you do that? And then, if you're not a believer, I just want to say this. Maybe you haven't experienced the agape love of God, the love of God that is selfless. We live in a world that's selfish that wants to take, that wants to take different parts of our lives, um, doesn't want us to follow Christ. But one thing that I, I don't know if I've mentioned yet is the love of God gives. The love of God gives. It gives us life. It gives us joy, and it gives us peace. Everything else in this world wants to take things away from us, wants to steal our hearts away. It wants to take our time away. It wants to take our our love for God away. Remember, God's love is different in that He gives. And he, He wants to see us changed and transformed. He doesn't want His giving. And we shouldn't make the giving of Jesus Christ on the cross meaningless by not doing anything with it. By not changing. By not allowing God's word to change us. Jesus died on the cross for a reason. Will you allow that reason to motivate your life? That's my question to you. And also, Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that you should perish, but that each should repent. So once again, are we willing to repent? Are we willing to have a change of heart, a change of mind, and live for Jesus? If you're a Christian right now, we actually have the opportunity uh, to celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. The way that God's love has changed our life and is continuing to transform us Um, Right now, we are going to go into a time where we celebrate together what God has done through the taking of communion. So, um, right now, we're going to go to God in prayer together. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you so much for your gracious love, your kindness towards us, everything you've done for us, God. I thank you that you're rejoiced with truth. You tell us what's right. You tell us when we're going the wrong way, when we're doing something we shouldn't, God, you love us. I pray that we can love you back. I pray that we can serve you, that we can have our lives uh, centered around you, God. I thank you so much for all you do. It's in your marvelous name, Father God. Amen. So right now we're going to pass out the elements.